I went to see a play on Wednesday. It's feeling pretty exciting to go see live theater again. It's not the first play I've seen since the pandemic started in 2020, but it's been a little slower going. And so I was excited to be back in a theater. And I went to see this play called Choir Boy at Steppenwolf. Has anyone heard of it? Okay. <laughs> Noah, you went with me, so I know you've heard of it. <laughs> and it was nothing short of fantastic. And as we left the theater, I turned to Noah and I said, well, now I have to go home and figure out how to write a sermon on that without spoiling the entire plot. So this is that sermon. The Choir Boy is written by the playwright Terrell Alvin McCraney. And McCraney is probably most well known for being one of the co-writers of the Oscar-winning film Moonlight which is actually based on some of his autobiographical work. And to quote Steppenwolf's own website, their synopsis, Choir Boy is about a young man named Ferris, who is now a senior at the Charles R. Drew Prep School for Boys, an institution committed to building strong, ethical black men, where he endeavors to be the best leader of the school's prestigious choral program. It is a story of a young gay black man and his battle between identity and community, a love song to the unseen heart that beats within us all. If you're here in Chicago and you like theater, I highly recommend you go see this production before it closes. There's a 3 p.m. matinee, in case anyone wanted to know. It's beautiful, and it's poignant, and funny, and it touches something that is at the heart of today's scripture. I was struck in particular by one of the final scenes, and here's where I'm going to be very careful to not give away too much. So one of the final scenes between Ferris, the protagonist, and his straight friend and roommate, AJ. The two have a close relationship. AJ is one of the few people, one of Ferris's few peers who sees him and accepts him just as he is. And at this point in the play, Ferris has really suffered at the hands of his peers. He's been failed by the adults in leadership at the school. Ferris, who is kind and ambitious and wildly talented, has been made to feel that he is utterly worthless. All because of his identity. His identity as a young, gay, black man. And in this scene, he sits on the edge of his bed and reflects to AJ that this is what he gets. This dejected state, this is what he gets. This is what he gets for dreaming. 
This is what he gets for being his true self, to be beaten down. Why should he have expected anything different? It's time for bed, but it's clear that Ferris won't be able to sleep. So AJ sits up, and he pulls back the quilt, and he says, Ferris, come here. And then he cradles a crying Ferris in his arms. And AJ looks at him and says, this is what you get. This is what you get. That moment preached an entire sermon to me. Ferris, who has come to believe he deserves nothing, is shown that he deserves tender love. And I thought to myself after the play, Jesus is the one who shows us what we get. A man with leprosy, ostracized and made to live away from his community, gets healing. A sinful woman, disdained and belittled by even the disciples, gets praise. A tax collector, hated and acting as an instrument of empire, gets to host dinner. Jesus is the one who shows us what we get. You know that song? What wondrous love is this? Oh my soul, oh my soul. What wondrous love is this? Oh my soul. What wondrous love is this that led the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul, for my soul, to bear the dreadful curse for my soul. Choir boy, it's threaded through with spirituals and hymns, including this one. Jesus shows us, and I found it portrayed in the play, this wondrous love, love that words alone can't describe, which is why we have songs and psalms and poems and hymns and paintings. Songs that try to get at what Jesus has done for us. Songs, including the one that's hidden in today's New Testament scripture. Surprise! Colossians 1, 15 through 20 is actually a hymn about Christ. It predates the letter itself. It was already composed and sung in the church at that time. And it's hard to hear it in our English translation, but if you mix the verses around a little bit, you notice parallels and repeating phrases. See if you can hear it now. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation, the firstborn from the dead. He is the image. He is the beginning. 
For in him all things were created, and for in him all fullness was pleased to dwell. All things have been created through him and through him to reconcile himself to all things. You can hear it a little bit there, right? So the author of this letter takes a pre-existing hymn and then builds on it for the remainder of the passage. Now, I've preached on several New Testament epistles or letters over the past few months as part of our lectionary cycle. And I've reiterated, as I do honestly for any scripture, but especially with these letters, I've reiterated the importance of context. These letters are always written for a specific people facing a specific problem. So, we're going to take a moment for context. While the letter is attributed to Paul, it probably wasn't actually written by Paul himself. It was written by someone else in his school of theology, using his style as a way to emphasize the message. And one of the main issues at stake here in Colossians is the question of whether we have access to God. Do we really have a closeness to God, or do we need to do more to get there? And the author of Colossians has an answer. The author says, yes, yes, we have closeness to God because of Jesus. So this passage is an exploration of who Jesus is. Who is the Christ, and what do we receive through Christ's presence? Jesus is. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Did any of you see the images from the James Webb Space Telescope that were published this week? Anyone see them? Yeah. They were amazing, right? I think Ez is going to share a few on the screen for us. I mean, utterly magnificent. I think that this is one of the many images we have of the invisible God. We can see God in so many places, in photos of space, or in nature that's a little closer to home, like our vegetable gardens and houseplants. We see God in the face of a friend or in the welcome sight of a home-cooked meal. Yet, Jesus shows us God in a singular, salvific way. Because he shows us an embodied God. Jesus Christ is the image of God in his words, in his deeds, in his suffering, and in his resurrection. Jesus lives a life that's fully rooted in God's grace, fully rooted in God's love. Jesus teaches peace and justice. Jesus performs miracles of fellowship and freedom. Jesus is killed because his very existence and message threaten the powers that be. And Jesus rises again, showing us that death is not the final word. Jesus shows us what happens when God lives among us. Lepers are healed. Tax collectors are friends. Sins are forgiven. All are fed. 
Jesus shows us God in tangible, knowable, embodied ways. The image of the invisible God. Jesus is. Jesus is before all things. Sometimes I think that being a human is like flipping through the channels, or I guess nowadays, like scrolling through Netflix. There's an infinite number of things that are asking for our attention, an infinite number of things that promise to fulfill us if only we will submit. Diets, politicians, Fitbits, celebrities, same-day shipping, advanced degrees, military spending, a law and order mentality, fast fashion credit cards, or as the author of Corinthians puts it, thrones, dominions, rulers, and powers. This is both a challenge that Jesus is before all of that, and a comfort that Jesus is before all of that. It's a challenge when there are things that we really want to put first, things we want to orient our life around, things that aren't even bad, things that are like, objectively good, things that we like. Jesus is before all of those. It's a comfort when we look around and we go, what are we supposed to do? When we look around and we see evil powers that seem to honestly be running amok, unchecked, it's a comfort to know, even on the worst days, that Jesus is before all of that. Before all things, Jesus is. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. We are called as a church to be the body of Christ in the world. This is beautiful and meaningful work. It's why I became a pastor, and it's also so hard. It's so hard. It is especially hard, I think, in these times when the church at large is really wrestling with who to be and what to become. And there's different opinions on who to be and what to become. And it's a challenge for our church where we're wrestling with some of our own questions of who to be and what to become. The church is a body and we're all part of it. And Hyde Park Union Church is a church that takes that really seriously. That's why we have committees. If you were wondering why we had committees, that's why. <laughs> and lay leadership positions. Because church is a group project. It doesn't work if only one person or a small group of people try to do everything. Even though if, if that's how you used to do group projects and I'm one of them, that's, that's not how church is supposed to work. It's supposed to be collaborative. We all need to be parts of the body. And we need all of those parts. We need the heart and the lungs and the fingernails and the earlobes. We need you. Church is hard, but we're not without guidance. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the compass north toward which we should constantly be checking and reorienting. This is how we can make decisions as a congregation. 
We look to Jesus. We pray. We read scripture. We discern. We think about how Jesus would respond. We trust him to be the head of the body. Because that's who Jesus is. And Jesus is the fullness of God. Listen to this. Listen to this. Jesus is the fullness of God in whom God was pleased to dwell. God came to live with us and was pleased. God was happy to be here with us. God not only loves us, God likes us. I don't know about you, but some days I can't, I can't believe that. Us? Seriously? Have you met us? Have you, have you seen what we're doing lately? We're not that great, God. But it did. It really did. It made God happy to be fully here with us in Jesus Christ. That's as profound a miracle as I can imagine. Sit with that. Be the green olive tree for a minute. You make God really happy. The creator of the universe, the creator of those stars and whirling galaxies that make your jaw drop, that God is so happy in your presence. This is what you get. Maybe the world has told you something different. Maybe you've told yourself something different. But this is what you get. You get closeness to God. You get access to God. You get to tell God what is going on in your life from the big things to the little things. You get to be held in your darkest night. This is what you get. Jesus, the image of the invisible God, before all things, the head of the church, the fullness of God, loving you. What wondrous love is this, O oh my soul? Amen.